Jalen and Jacoby, the after show is brought to you by AT&T. And now, Jalen and Jacoby. Welcome to the Jalen Jacoby After Show presented by State Farm after watching these films. I'm still reeling. I feel like I teleported back that to that time and watched Michael Jeffrey Jordan crazy. just like when I was a teenager and when I was a young man. Jalen, I was watching these games from home, but you were up close and personal. Wearing the Pacers uniform, playing this very team, this documentary is focused on what was your relationship with this team on the floor? We played them 11 times. Overall, they were six and five. Each team won on its home floor, culminating in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. I got suspended one of those games because I took two steps off the bench, looked 75 feet down to the other bench, where future Hall of Famer Reggie Miller was tangled up amongst the players and their staff. So I was just trying to make sure our best player was good. And so I wasn't like on the marquee or anything. I was a bug on the windshield. It was MJ. It was Pip. It was Rodman, former bad boy, now joined the Bulls. As you see, it was Phil Jackson. Like they represented all of the greatest of the great things that happen on and off the floor. So to play against them and have a chance to beat them, and to be winning by double figures in game seven and come up short, man, would you look at life different if Michael Jordan had five rings and I had one? Would he still be the GOAT? I think he would still be the GOAT, but I think <laughs> your life would be dramatically different, and I would be concerned that you would not be right here with me <laughs> recapping this great documentary. And one of my favorite things about this is it really just teleported me back in time, and we all have such fond memories of this team and this player, but – there are certain things that, that this documentary does to fill in the gaps in those memories. And one thing that I found really interesting was his time in North Carolina. When they mentioned that shot, we all rem- remember the big shot that he took with 17 seconds left, by mind the way. That's probably not a great time to take that shot. <laughs> they eventually won them. No, 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 no. Yes. But it was James Worthy who was the best player on that team. Michael Jordan was country. not the best player He's on that here. team. It's little things like that that this documentary reminds you of that the, the, the sort of the age and the time might have washed away from your memory. What did, what did this episode and these episodes bring back for you about that time? So I can give all of the best and most intelligent basketball points of all time. But I'm about to tell you why Michael Jordan, beyond points, rebounds, assists, beyond championship rings, and it started in college, why he's the number one brand ambassador of all time and the former player that's a majority owner and the GOAT to ever do it. Jacoby, when he got on the fast break and he did that cradle to the grave, he dropped that thing off in there uh, and flushed the toilet, that changed the game. Dog, you playing basketball with your tongue out? And you're doing something you could appreciate. How many kids you got? How many kids do you have? Three children. Okay. So, so, so imagine somebody doing that with a basketball. That's something everybody can relate to. That's so mainstream. It's uh, so ill. I and, absolutely loved it. And, 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 and like it was poetry in motion because 
you know, the way he stretched out his legs, the power and the quickness and the explosiveness that he had, like that's kind of what stands out to me, how he just looked like he was faster and and, and, and more athletic than everybody. Jalen, he was. We really appreciate your insight. But it's time to get some more insight. Listen, I know there's a lot going on in the world right now, and we are all inside quarantine shopping online. I just saw that AT&T started doing two things that were really helpful for those who want to buy a new phone or device online. They're offering fast, free, no-contact, safe delivery, and curbside pickup so that online shopping is simple and safe as possible. On top of that, they have a flexible return policy so you can shop at ease online. Right now, you can visit att.com, att.com, to learn how to shop online from the safety of your home 24-7. Subject to change, restrictions apply. Obviously, Michael Jordan is someone that you can rely on, and there's nothing realer than someone you can rely on, whether you're relying on them to make the shot in the clutch or be there when you need it most. Jalen, during this era when you were in Indiana playing on the Pacers, facing these Bulls, who was a teammate of yours that you knew you could rely on? Oh, the- easy. A gentleman that I affectionately call Killer, mm. Reggie Miller. Mm. When we talk about all-time great shooters and clutch performers, his name has to be in the conversation. A tireless worker, did it in transition, caught threes off screens, was deadly. And so I have to say Reggie Miller must be in any conversation when you start talking about snipers. Well, he was obviously someone that you could rely on on the court. And I've got someone in my life that I can rely on off the court, and so do all of us. With State Farm, you get a teammate that you can rely on. You get the real deal. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now joining us, the man behind the documentary, the director of Jalen's Fab Five documentary as well, Jason Hare joins us on this program. Jason, my first question for you is take yourself back to that very moment when you got the phone call and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know that we told you we were going to air this later in the summer, but how soon can we get this documentary to the people? It wasn't a, a, a precise moment. We had all been talking about it um, internally. And then people online started to talk about it. And then I, I was texting with Connor Shell, who runs content for all of ESPN. And all of us were kind of gauging whether or not we could get this thing out in time. And we knew that we had episodes one, two, three, and four done. It was just a question of when we could have the final six done in order to, to get the rollout to everybody on time. So, um, but we were, we were still working towards a mid May finish date. We're working as fast as we can. We have been for a while. So that was always the plan was to finish in mid-May, but now we could actually start rolling it out sooner. Jason, we appreciate you joining the show. When this pandemic and the social distancing ends, I want to make sure you call your tailor because you're going to be standing on a lot of stages accepting mm-hmm. awards for this amazing I thought you were knocking my shirt with this documentary. What was your first interaction like in Michael Jordan? Well, the first time meeting him might be a better story. So 
I'm sitting in this apartment here and it was like 6.30 and, and I was going to run out to the gym and I get a call from Esty Portnoy, who is Michael's manager. And she said, hey, um, and I had been talking to her for a year about this project because they were trying to get it off the ground and, and find distributors and a bunch of people who make more money than me were deciding how they were going to roll this thing out and who was going to be partners. So she said, can you make it up to Midtown in a half hour? Um, Michael wants to have a drink. So I changed out of my clothes, rushed up there, and I was thinking the whole way up, like, what do you order? What's the first drink you order with Michael Jordan? Like, do you order? <laughs> so um, I told my brothers that night, it's like meeting Santa Claus. Like, you've heard of this person before. You've seen them in pictures, but it doesn't, like, they're not a real person. That's not a real thing. That's a statue. That's like if the Statue of Liberty, like, bent down and shook your hand. There he is. And you know him, he's got that charisma and he immediately makes you feel welcome and relaxed. It wasn't until like 15 or 20 minutes in and we were talking, I said to him, why do you want to do this? And he said, I don't. And I said, why not? And he said, because of all the misperceptions out there and there's a lot of footage in this thing that's really raw and he didn't want people to take it out of context. And we talked about how, you know, giving people context from the horse's mouth is actually the way to go to explain why you are the way you are. But then we started talking about, I said that there's a lot of misperceptions and somehow the hall of fame speech came up. I I said, you know, like the hall of fame speech. I don't think people understood that. And he leaned forward. It was like, it was in a movie because we're in this dark lounge and he leans forward and this light comes over his face and the glint of the light came off of his hoop earring. <laughs> like this and he said who's the only person who understood what i was talking about and he pointed his finger and his finger goes out like this for like a foot and a half and it <laughs> and that's the first moment i was like holy shit that's my <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> um but immediately he was like that the only person who understood that was pat riley and i was trying to compliment people and from the from the from the very get-go he was all in on, um, on answering any question that I had. So, um, and from there it was, it wasn't until over a year from then that we actually did our first interview on camera. Wow. I mean, I have a very important follow-up question that you did not answer. What drink did you order when you sat down at the lounge with Michael Jeffrey Jordan? Jameson on the rocks. <laughs> he, did, he did seem to be sipping something brown during the interview and there are some problems, problems a little bit of a continuity the ice was melted yeah where you see something going down a little bit it goes up a little bit how many refills did we have during that interview i had nothing to do with craft services that day <laughs> focused on the interview good answer well, and he had some unique cigars too you know Long boy types. <laughs> he um he was taking a lot of heat about that off camera. Ahmad was 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 off camera, came to the shoot that day because they just came from the golf course to that first interview. And Ahmad was like, You gotta give him a real cigar or is he gonna use that for the whole time? So Correct. If you see Michael looking over his shoulder and kind of like smirking, it's at Ahmad. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm just I'm still reeling after watching just the very first episode of this 10 episode film. It I'm just really it really teleported me back to that era with the music and the footage and the clothes and one thing I was really curious about the decisions that you made was around the world. Nah, yeah, yeah. The whole 
chronology because obviously we're focused on that 97, 98 season. And after the first four minutes, they've already won five titles. And you're like, wow, this really is going to focus in on that one season. And then we jump back to UNC after they took the trick to France. And you continue to sort of like use this back and forth style, which is very well graphically represented. How did you sort of attack this as not just the story of one season, but the story of a team, the story of his life, and how you would present that to the audience chronologically? Well, the the chronological spine of the whole series had to be 97, 98, because that was the driving force behind why we were doing this, is that they had this treasure trove of footage that no one had ever seen before. It sat, you know, in a basement somewhere at the NBA for 20 years. So that was why we were doing this in the first place. But with 10 hours, there's only so much you can say about one season or one person. So we knew we weren't going to spend 10 hours on just that. It was going to be the story of the dynasty through the lens of that season. Um, those first four minutes or the first six minutes, I think it is that you referenced most of the world. They'll be seeing this on ESPN. They'll be seeing it on Netflix outside the U S and under a certain age demographic. They know who Michael Jordan is, of course, but they don't know the details of that team. They may not know that they won five titles before. So we had to give a quick primer to a new audience to say who these guys were why they were so important and how famous they were back then. But also the guys like you, Jacoby, who know that story, we had to scratch a little nostalgic itch, maybe play a little biggie, a little puffy, do something that keeps the people who know the story uh, entertained as well. So that was a, the, episode one is a really tricky one to pull off because a lot of it, people will be like, I know this, I know this. So the, the challenge was keep it interesting enough that it's entertaining to people who are experts, but also educate the people who don't know and keep them entertained as well. And also, he killed in college, made a big-time shot in the championship game, played with James Worthy, future Hall of Famer. That was a number one pick. Sam Perkins, big smooth, went number five, played for Dean Smith. And then he got to the league. And I appreciate the road trip when they were in the hotel. And he went up and the teammates allowed him to come in. And he said he saw a lot of drugs that he'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that seemed to be a turning point as it related to how he wanted to be a leader so very young in his NBA career. He said, you know, that I had to lead. I couldn't lead with my voice because I had no voice at that point. He was he was the third pick in the draft. No one at that point knew that he was going to become Michael Jordan. Everybody knew that he was maybe the most electric player in that draft. And he was a college player the year before, but no one knew what he was going to become. So he didn't have enough clout to sit to, to, it wasn't so much leadership by certainly by vocal leadership. It was saying, I'm going to have nothing to do with this. And at that point he didn't even drink alcohol. So he would literally hang out in his apartment um, all day long, watch movies. He had a pool table. He had a Pac-Man machine that he would invite people over to play. Didn't drink, didn't smoke, none of that. It was all basketball all the time. He was a gym rat. Jason, it was one time he said that he didn't go to nightclubs, and you're telling me that he didn't drink. Um, do these <laughs> habits change over the course of the Perhaps. I mean, over the course of the 10 episodes, I mean, do you think that he loosens up some of these restrictions? <laughs> I don't hang out with him. Um, I am a, a filmmaker first and, and um, Clayton's distant second. I'm not invited to, to what he does. I think – rudimentary Google search will probably answer that question, Jacoby. (laughs) 
Uh, you, you sound like someone who's still getting emails from uh, from some people involved with Michael Jordan. If, well, <laughs> the process well, is not done yet. We have not delivered the final episode. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, um, one thing, you, as you mentioned, you mentioned people like me that remember this and live this, of course. But one thing this film is so good at is just filling in those little gaps in your memories. Because this did happen quite some time ago. And you forget little things. And one of the sort of the... the the thing that kind of gets washed away over the his, over sort of time and the history of your mind and what you pick and choose to remember is the relationship between this team and the front office and ownership. And very early in this film, you established Kraus as sort of someone who's at odds with the players and someone who is sort of at odds with Michael Jordan himself. And that must have been a very difficult thing to depict using those bites and knowing what you know about the story. How did you sort of approach that when it came to his character in this film? Well, if there was one person I could interview for this film and didn't, it would be Jerry Krause. Um, Jerry passed away four months before we started shooting. Um, but he obviously was at the center of that firestorm that created um, the last dance scenario of that season. Um, so he's a polarizing figure and it's easy to cast him as the villain. I consider him more of a foil to Michael's hero because I think you have to give Jerry credit. And as you see later on in the series, when we, when we go deeper into it, you'll see him get more credit and be credited with being the architect of those teams. Uh, Jerry came after Michael Jordan, but everything you know about that Bulls dynasty besides Michael Jordan was put in place from a managerial perspective by Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf. So we had to, I felt I owed it to Jerry to tread lightly and, and, um, to involve him, to have his voice in this doc as much as possible with archival footage. But we also had to depict accurately how much they villainized him in that locker room and what an object of ridicule he was and how much Jerry had to endure from these guys who were, you know, the cool kids. And they were going to pick on the guy who wanted to hang out with them all the time on the bus, which he literally did. Um, so it was, it was a delicate balance of, um, giving Jerry some respect, but also telling the story in an accurate way. I really like how you did that because um, uniquely playing against those teams and then later being traded to the Bulls by Jerry Krause, rest in peace, having a chance to spend time with him. It was really unfortunate that he couldn't allow – the credit to happen on the court mm-hmm. with Phil, it just so happened to be all time greatness happening. He left and won five more. So that wasn't a good decision. The Bulls letting MJ go. He should be in ownership initially with Chicago. Shouldn't have had to go to Washington to even play. Same with Scotty taking victory laps for not paying them. And Reinsdorf allowed him to do that. So it's really unfortunate. Did they feel regretful that it seemed like he's the one person that destroyed the largest dynasty in the history of NBA basketball? I didn't sense any lingering resentment. I think that um, in many respects, the ice has thawed over the years, which is one of many reasons why it's a good time to tell this story with enough distance and guys can be honest and, and, you know, conversations have been had, I'm sure behind closed doors for the last 20 years that has thawed that ice. Um, 
But at the time, certainly there was, there was a lot of resentment towards the front office and towards Jerry Krause's office in particular. You see Michael literally glance up and indicate that that's the most, that's when he's asked by the press, what's mm-hmm. going to be the most difficult part of the season. He looks up at Jerry's office. Crazy. So Jerry was definitely the scapegoat for a lot of the tension that was in that locker room. But Phil Jackson wanted credit too. Michael Jordan is not as, as vocal about deserving credit because it's, it's demonstrable when he's on the court that he deserves the credit for the Bulls dynasty. But there's a lot of people who had rightful claims to being the main reason why that team was what they were. But Jerry Krause, I mean, he gets booed at the end of episode one when he goes out to accept his fifth championship ring. Crazy. Saw that. It just seemed to be fun for the city of Chicago. Every story needs a hero and a villain. And he was a polarizing guy, and he certainly wasn't going to be cast as the hero to Michael's villain. So there was no place to go but down for Jerry, unfortunately. Well, you're watching the Jalen Jacoby After Show. We are presented by State Farm. And, Jason, you mentioned this footage, this sort of unseen footage, this documented this one season. And I want to know what it's like for you as a filmmaker when you first get your hands on it. I imagine it's probably digitally, and you're kind of going through it and you're seeing Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson and these sort of legends, and you're just being a fly on the wall. What was that first feeling? Not even editing it, just getting your hands on it and seeing what kind of access you would have for this film. It was just a lot of wild moments when we were screening this stuff. We didn't even have an edit room yet. We were screening it in an office on our laptops. Um, But there's a certain mystique, and I think Jalen can speak to this too, about guys from that era because – Social media is so ubiquitous now. Everybody knows what a lot of these stars' backyards look like and kitchens look like. We know what the hallways and the locker rooms look like. We've seen these guys out of uniform, maybe more than in uniform. Back then, there wasn't that kind of access, and these these kind of verite docs were not done back then. Credit Andy Thompson, who was Clay Thompson's uncle and Michael Thompson's brother, who works for the NBA, for having the idea to embed the crew, and credit Adam Silver for having the foresight to say, you know what? this is going to be a historic season. We need to document this for posterity. We'll do something with it someday. Well, now's that someday. And I think even watching Jordan Rodman on the, on the lat pull down machine, something mundane, look at it now and it's riveting. Cause it's like, I've never seen Dennis Rodman outside of uniform or, in, or outside of a nightclub to see him in a different, to see Michael pull up in his car, get out of his car and walk into a door. It sounds really mundane. And if you saw any of us doing it today, it would be boring. If you saw LeBron doing it today, it might not be exciting. But to see these guys off the court back then, it just felt like we had, you know, something that no one had ever seen before. It was palpable that we had something that people were going to love. So it was exciting to say, all right, how can we organize this in the most entertaining way possible? After watching this film, and now that you know, you've seen these episodes probably so much they make you sick because all you can see is the imperfection. But now you know that millions of people around the world have gotten to see it. It's finally out there in the world. Like you've burst- It's trending right now. It, it is, is trending. Millions of people trending. right now have seen what you've obsessed you Feel it. You can see it on social media. The response is insane. Number one trending everywhere. What is that feeling as a filmmaker, knowing that you've put so many years of work into this and now it's just out and done, at least episode one? It's very gratifying to to finally have, I mean, our team, not just me, but our entire team for the last close to two and a half years has put their lives on hold to work nonstop on this doc. 
So to have it finally be out there is really exciting. It's really gratifying that people seem to be responding uh, in a largely positive way. It's also a bit odd because we're still not done with it. Um, literally, we're editing. I'm editing in my apartment today. Our editors are editing all over the city in their apartments. We're still putting this together. So um, just the same as it's kind of odd to to shoot and edit at the same time, it's odd to be airing and editing at the same time. Um, but it's great. You know what? Especially now, it's a bleak time, man. Like, there's a dearth of programming out there, obviously, but there's also a dearth of connection. Mm. Sports bring that connection so much, whether you're sitting and, and, and high-fiving the stranger next to you you've never met before at a game or whether you're interacting with people online or you see someone wearing a hat of your favorite team, you give the guy a nod. We're missing that kind of connection now. And what better place to establish that connection than through sports and through everyone sharing, experiencing this story again. So it's a privilege for us to, um, to get it out there and to give people, I hope just an hour or two of escape in an otherwise dark time. And also we can never underestimate a lot of great projects have soundtracks. When you're on the elevator, sometimes you hear music. And Jason, it was so great to go down memory lane with the 90s music. So just make sure you acknowledge to everybody some of the tunes that they're going to get a chance to hear and why. I mean, what we tried to do is be as as true to the actual year that we're flashing back to as possible with the music that we used. Um, we didn't always get there. It's, it's, it's very true to the era. But I tried to be as chronologically accurate as possible. So when we're flashing back to, say, 92 and the Bulls going for their first repeat championship, you'll hear Black Sheep, Choice is Yours. We're trying mm. to figure out songs that were anthems back then that might not be as obvious. They weren't necessarily uh, top 40 pop hits, but also are anthemic enough that people who know, know. And they're going to say, oh, I remember that song from then. So we have... I mean, Jalen and I could go through the list of, of who our favorites are because that's how we met and bonded was discussing these kind of groups. But uh, Eric B. and Rakim, Tribe Called Quest, Beastie Boys, KRS-One. Mm. Uh, God, there, there's a lot. I mean, we have – we have Mason Biggie. Mason Biggie to start mm-hmm. off the f- first Biggie. episode. Um, who's in episode four? We got a lot. We haven't seen episode- uh, Naughty by Nature. I'm leaving them out. I have a I have a really important question for you, Jason. That's a it's a little philosophical. Uh-oh. Now, Uh-oh. when you are sort of given the responsibility of telling the story of someone who's such an icon, someone who is bigger than life on and off the floor, and then you have to build a relationship with them, what was it like working with Jalen Anthony Rose? on the Fab Five documentary? Because, I mean, it's got to be hard. You know? It's got to be hard. You know? A lot of unreturned texts. <laughs> a lot of ignored phone calls. <laughs> the moments of despair wondering, was this all a joke? Was this scheme? Did someone pay Jalen to say I'm going to? I have no idea what you're talking about. I have absolutely no idea. A lot of blue <laughs> bubbles, very few... On the right side, very few on the left side. (laughs) I do want to say this, Jason, as you'll continue to spend time trying to create. (laughs) You'll be you'll be working a lot more with Jalen Anthony Rose because the Jalen Jacoby After Show, The Last Dance, will continue. This is just one 
of 10 more episodes after every single episode of Dance. Jalen and I will offer our reactions and we will feature the director of the film. And I, I hate giving one person credit for such a huge project. Obviously, the director of the film, but also the leader of a huge team of dozens and dozens and dozens of. Call you Taylor. We're about to be getting some awards. But every single episode, make sure you check for the Jalen and Jacoby after show featuring director Jason Hare and potentially some special guests. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to talking to you about episode two. Thanks for having me, guys. I want to thank Jason for joining us. We'll have him back later, Jalen. There's just there's just so much to get into. I don't think ten episodes is enough. Like we haven't even talked about his sneakers yet. We haven't even talked about the business side. We haven't talked about the champagne and campaigning. Jay, when are we gonna get the champagne and campaigning? The cigars? How about that? The casinos? The cars? Oh man, MJ was that dude on and off the floor. There is so, so much yet to come in this series. Jalen and Jacoby, The After Show, presented to you by State Farm. Make sure you subscribe to this feed. Subscribe to Jalen and Jacoby. Rate and review us in Apple. And after every single episode, remember, you'll get Jalen and Jacoby and special guests and the director of the film to break it all down for you because 10 episodes of this is not enough. We need podcasts afterwards. We need special episodes. We need bonus footage. We need to go full Tiger King with this one. Thank you so much for joining in to Jalen and Jacoby. Make sure you listen to episode two, which is available right now.